0: As they pass him on the street. This happens more than I think it should. Hello and welcome to Things Joe Hates. My name is Joe and with me is my producer, Jake. Hello, Joe. Hi, Jake. And my lovely wife, Lisa, from upstairs. Hey, babe. Hi, Lisa. And today we're having part two of our writing episode. Now, normally we don't do back-to-back episodes like this, part one and part two. In fact, I don't know that we've ever done that. Have we, Jake?
2: Uh, this is the first time I believe.
0: Right. But what happened was I just started writing so much about how much I hate people's other people's writing that I had to, uh, had to break it up into two episodes. It was too long for one episode. So we're going to get in last week. I, I focused mainly on authors, but this week I'm going to focus on things like bad dialogue in books, particularly you ever, you ever been reading a book and you're just like, people don't talk like this.
2: Yeah. All the time. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Don't you hate that? Yep. I can't stand it. I have a prime example right here on my phone, if I can ever get it back up. Let's see how this works here. I have to, oh, damn it. Now I'm starting a duo conversation with somebody. I hate this phone, too. Uh, Let's see. It's a a book called Subhuman by an author named David Simpson. Uh Uh-huh. David Simpson. And he wrote a bunch of these books, and I bought all four of them on uh, Amazon, which I probably should not have done because I only I finished the first book and got about halfway through the second book and I, I said, I can't, I can't take this dialogue anymore. Here's an example. Are you ready? Yes. Now, this is a female doctor and she says, you're married, huh? The doctor asked, apparently rhetorically. Craig nodded anyway. That's a shame. You're way too handsome to be married. Handsome young doctors like you should be single. Then the single doctors like me could marry you instead. That sounds like a jerk. Yeah. Nobody says that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody ever has that conversation. And this book is is full of, of things like, of, of dialogue like that, that I just can't, I just can't get through it.
2: Sounds like this person's never had a real conversation in their life.
0: Almost. It almost does sound like this. This writer. There are other situations in these novels that are just way too ridiculous to be believable as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I won't get into it because in, a, in the event that somebody else is reading them and wants to, I don't want to spoil them for anybody, but it's, there are just things in here that, that don't ever need to be done that get done <laughs> that no reasonable, rational person operating with whatever motivation, would ever do them, but they happen stupid. It's just stupid. Now I'm going to go on to a whole new category of things. And uh, I'm sure Lisa's going to hate a lot of these things I hate, but we're going to get into like cliches and tropes and things that you see repeated in uh, in in movies and books and TV. And my number one hatred here is what I like to call "Oh, the baby," not
2: the baby. Can you give an example?
0: Sure. Go ahead. Well, let me see. I'm trying to think of one right now. But put them on the spot. Yeah, I know you put me on the spot. Any any story where there's like a kid that gets put in danger or something like that, or there's a woman that's pregnant and all of a sudden she starts having, uh, oh yeah, the... labor pains. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna miscarry. Yeah.
2: Um, you know,
0: I, first off, this is why I object to this. If
1: you object to the kid part, not the ooh and the on ah and the scary but of the woman being scared.
0: Right. I object to this because, and and the reason I object to this is because I look to these these. Books, movies, TVs, whatever, as entertainment, and that is a distraction from the real world. Right? I don't want to be confronted with horrible real world situations in
1: Oh, that's bull. I've seen you watch so many shows that 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 have murders, that really kind murders that, that really do happen, and you're fine with it.
2: I will that's say that's real life drama. Yeah. In in what? Lisa's defense as well. You literally just went from Nobody ever talks like that to, I don't want things to be like real life.
1: You're not making now, sense.
2: Well, I think
0: I, I want the conversation to be like real life. Oh,
2: I think, okay. right. I, I think a better way to put what you're trying to say is not, you don't, it's not that you're escaping from things. It's right. that to say the, the, one of the most fundamental instincts of human beings is to protect the kids. Right. And so when you say, well, everyone wants to protect their kids, that's a cop out. It's easy. Exactly. You don't have that's to do actually, any work to get an emotional reaction. Exactly.
0: That is my, that is my, that was my point. That, that is the crux of my point is that it is the laziest of writing that does this. Whenever you see some, some writer out there threatening a child in their writing and it's it's fiction, so it's not really threatening a child, right? But it's whenever you see that, it is just the laziest thing you could do. It's, it's lazy, like saying, but it's a reality. It's like saying I couldn't come up with a better story well, than this crap. There are, I, but it's I,
1: still a reality.
0: So let's flip this coin over. We've talked about killing the baby or endangering the baby, and I'm going to go right to the crux of just about every Disney movie that's ever made, and that's the opposite of this and it's the it's the same tactic but targeting a different audience and that's kill the parents. So when you have a kids movie <laughs> that that uh that kills the parents like The Lion King, right, where the dad gets killed or Bambi where the mom gets killed or uh, Dumbo where the dad gets killed and the mom gets separated from Lilo the Lilo and Stitch? Uh Lilo and Stitch both the parents are already dead, right? Uh all the all those Disney movies and I'm sure there's a card uh,
1: I know what you're saying, and I understand why you're saying Andre, it, and I hate it too, to but I absolutely love those movies. Once you get past that part,
0: yeah, it's good. exactly. We were watching Frozen, uh, and we were at your parents' house, and the parents are there talking to the two children, Elsa and Anna. Is that their names? I, I know. It's Elsa. I don't remember the other one's name. And, and the parents get on a ship, and I'm like, oh, here it comes and the ship goes down, and I just laughed out loud. I actually laughed. You like
1: to <laughs> irritate people. You can't just sit there and watch it and roll your I eyes. I knew
0: it was coming, and I laughed at it, and everybody turned it, looked at me like I'm some kind of monster. Which is I'm, what you wanted. I'm not laughing at people dying or someone losing their parents. I'm laughing at the lazy writing on the part of Disney trying to come up with an original story, and they still have to kill the parents. It's
2: become a it's become a meme anymore. They it almost is. They do it because they almost have to because people are going to be upset otherwise. The main reason why this has happened is because of Bambi. Bambi was such a, you know.
1: You know, I I understand why you would be upset at the whole Bambi thing. And I remember as a little girl being upset. No, no, I'm not upset. But it also makes me think of how lucky I am to have my parents. I think when I was a kid, I was remembering going, oh, how sad. Well, right. What would I do without my well, parents? Well,
2: exactly. I that better
1: ha- treasure my parents and treat them well. Hang on, and and tell them that I love them.
2: I don't. Hate I remember Bambi. that. I I I'm saying Bambi did it so well; they had to do it every every time after that, because they're they're they've been chasing the Bambi high ever since. Right. And <laughs>
1: chasing that dragon. But
2: I do agree, though, that if you're trying to tell a story to a kid.
1: It gets their attention. And
2: you want to get their attention. You kill the parents. <laughs> right. It, it's not like an adult. Can like,
1: that really happen? With an <laughs> yes. adult. That's what you say. You, it really puts a reality on it. So with, it's kind of sad.
2: With an adult, there's a lot more nuance to the world because the adult knows a lot more about the world. A Unless kid, you're Phoebe's mom. A kid. What, are the, what is a kid scared of? A kid's, a kid's scared of like monsters under their bed or parents going you know, away. spiders or something, and their parent's dying. Right. So, Every kid that has parents or uh, some guardian figure that they care about is going to be worried about them dying. So if you show a parent figure dying, that's going to cause an emotional response in every kid. Is it lazy? Sure. But do you have any any other way to do it with kids? I would argue it's a lot harder to write for kids because there's a lot less things to appeal to.
0: And God forbid we should challenge ourselves in our writing, right?
2: No, I'm the for the amount of media that gets generated for kids, you're not going. The chances that you're going to see some cliches repeated are much greater than you would see them oh, in regular writing.
0: Absolutely, I, I would like. It's to a see recipe, someone...
1: and it works. It worked for Elvis. He had a recipe, and it worked. That's right.
0: Somebody asked him, "You've made fifty-two movies," and he said, "Nah, man, I made the same movie fifty-two times."
1: Or something. Yeah, <laughs> he had the same recipe, and it worked. The uh... And I watch him over and over again. Well, of course, because it's Elvis. It's (laughs) Elvis Presley. He's eye candy. Uh,
0: I'm going to move on from this one. I I think I've said my piece. I hate both of these, you know, endanger the child, kill the parents. I think those are two lazy, lazy writing tropes that people uh, should work around. They should avoid that. If if you want to be known as a good writer, avoid those. Next, avoid this one too, deus ex machina.
2: You know what? The fact that you included it is almost a cliche. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's the exact opposite of... of uh, it's at the other end of the storyline. All right, so what this means, deus ex machina, means God on a machine, literally. That's the translation from Latin. But it harkens all the way back to Greek theater. Back when, before there was massive amounts of writing. And the stories were about the gods and appeasing the gods and and, uh, and being victimized by the gods. At the end of the story the God would come down in his machine and set the world right. Okay. And that's yeah. great for a Greek tragedy or a Greek comedy. But here in 2020, that doesn't fly anymore.
2: We're better than We're that. We're better
0: than that. Right? <laughs> we, we don't... I don't know if you
2: can guys can hear me shaking my head.
0: <laughs> right. Unless you're writing a story that's actually about a God or gods, you don't need to have deus ex machina. You don't need it. There is no try to try to do something better again. Just to be better. This is
2: so now. I, I I think for the the writing device is is specifically supposed to mean like you. It, there's no possible way this can end well, but it still does because the writer pulls something out of their butt. Right. Exactly. Like In my favorite words- one is was it Superman two, where he just. Flies around the world backwards. And yes, <laughs> that's my favorite one of all time because it's hilarious. Like that's not how any of that works, right. but you know what? It does, and it's so out there. I kind of just went. You know what? I'll go with it. Good for you. That's. <laughs> the, I did not expect that. That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> Here's how I envision Deus Ex Machina. How it works in the in the writer's head. Right. He starts writing. He or she starts writing this story. This really good story, and the story just goes across all these bananas pathways, you know, all these crazy things happen to all the characters. There's character development. There's everything. But then you're right. At some point in time, it gets to a point where this, you're like, there's no way this is ever going to end well. And then we develop some device that fixes everything and everybody's okay. And wow, I learned something today.
2: So I was actually, I don't know if you've seen these around, but I've been getting ads for like master classes. Yes. There's one uh, that they're advertising from uh, Neil Gaiman about uh, how to write novels, right? Yes. You were, I think you talked about him in the last episode.
0: I did. I just finished up American Gods, actually. Really good book. Great dialogue. Yeah, and even though it's about gods, no Deus Ex Machina.
2: But uh, but he uh, so he's a, a, in your opinion, a good writer, right? And he I would agree. wait the way he characterized writing was basically writing a novel specifically fictional novels is a is like driving through the fog with one headlight you don't really know where you're going you're just kind of going and then he said every once in a while it'll clear like you'll have a moment where you go ah see and then this is going to connect to this and then that connects that ah now now there's some some depth to the story that's developed between acts or something like that you know or you you've you've put a theme in at the beginning and, and you get halfway through and you're like, ah, oh, see, I can hammer that again here and it ties it all together and it, and it makes it a better story. But I think it, it seems like deus ex machina is some sort of, like you get to the end and then you kind of have to, like he says this too, he's like, you your second draft is where you make your novel make sense. Right. Because the first time through is just the, the driving through fog with one headlight. Whereas now the second time, now you can see the whole story. Right. And you can now make it work. Now you've been down work. this
0: road before to and continue along with game as a metaphor.
2: So you have to... Deus Ex Machina it seems like you didn't do your second draft right. Right, Like exactly. you couldn't figure out how to make this work. Like you're going to have to change some things in the beginning probably to make the ending work the way you want it to. Yep. So... Like, come on, figure the do, as Joe would say, do better.
0: Right. And this one, this is, here's another one that I hate when I see in, in TV and uh, anywhere else, really, uh, with the exception of Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot actually portrayed this fairly well, but whenever you see hacking happening on TV,
2: <laughs> that, Hackerman. that
0: is, that is not how it works. <laughs> Mr. Robot. Uh, I watched, we watched the first two or three seasons of that show. It was
1: mind-numbing. That show... That
0: show is not so much about hacking as it is about mental illness. It's,
1: it's mental, the whole thing. It makes right. you question yourself by the time you're done watching yeah, it. It's, we literally had to watch – I would we would watch a couple, and at the end of the night, we couldn't go to bed like – I right. couldn't go to bed like that. Yeah. I was like, put on SpongeBob. Put on something <laughs> right. that would bring some kind of normal back to me because this is not what I want to sleep with thinking about. Got to well, watch the cartoons after creepy. the horror movie. Oh, yeah. my gosh, because I just – it's creepy. But
0: the hacking in that show was, was good, but there's other hacking – shows out there even entire network shows that are based on based on hacking units and they're just awful.
2: Well, you uh that's been ruined for you because you're uh this is like similar to to you you're aware of of the correct way to do some of these things. Yes. And so that's uh that angers you. Yes. Same thing with me with um anything to do with the uh, the military. Right. You look at that and go, that's not how any of that works. Right. You don't know what you're doing. That's not, they're not wearing the right uniform. That beret's <laughs> on wrong, you know.
0: <laughs> Where, where's the drill instructor when you need him?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And here, here I'm going to get some pushback from Lisa, maybe. But... Uh, <laughs> oh,
2: boy. Mm-hmm. We've some been gearing up all episode for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lisa, the rest of the stuff was just a primer.
0: Great. I hate the entire romantic comedy plot. Let me give you the outline for every every (laughs) rom-com that's ever been written. I have it written down here. It's five sentences. Boy meets girl. They really like each other. It goes great until something happens. Some catastrophe, some major screw-up on one of the party's parts. Someone realizes that the other person is the one that they've been waiting for. And then they make that grand gesture to win back their affections. That sounds
1: like real life. Running to the airport doesn't at all (laughs) sound like real life. Romantic comedies are relaxing. I find them fun. Okay. That is true. They make life seem a little less crazy. And and for me to relax and sit and watch one, uh, it's a feel good. And you know what? Every movie, 50 Shades of Grey. That right. is a very much just a a boy meets girl. She wanted to change him. Right. And she did. Had he been in a, a trailer park? That would have been a, a, a murderous, <laughs> terrible situation. I'm not, I'm not changing
0: I, that guy. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know that
2: uh, Fifty Shades of Grey maybe is, the, is not the best example. But... No,
1: I think it is because it is. Okay. I, I, I think that it was more of a drama romantic, if that's a thing. Yeah. But in the, in the long run. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a comedy. And it, it's, if you had taken, the story is boy meets girl, they meet. Right. She wants to change him and she does. They get married, have a baby and live happily ever after. It's fantasy in other well, words.
2: Well, I I I so I'm not really a huge fan of rom-coms. I don't know I don't know if you guys could tell, but uh I do think Lisa does have a great point though in that she's saying it's not supposed to be different it is supposed to be familiar it's supposed right. to be you know what's going to happen why because you're not watching it for suspense
0: it's not a drama you're, you're watching watch it movie
2: you're watching it to relax my
0: big fat greek wedding it was great now in that movie do the two people that get married ever have any like big falling out or anything no right you know you know what's unique about that movie is it's a good romantic comedy it doesn't follow the pattern. It follows a new pattern, an interesting pattern.
2: So, there, you know, every story, almost it every pa- story has like the, you know, three acts, the setup, the con, and, you know, then the big conflict, and then the resolution to the conflict. The thing is, the vast majority of rom coms, the conflict that happens is the big, you know, someone got the, a text message from someone that this, oh, this was all a setup or something. Or, or like, what was it? Uh, what's the one? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I can't remember. Well, all right. So here's an, here's another one. Uh, Fifty first dates. Yeah. So uh, the Adam Sandler and and what's her face from E.T. Uh, she uh. <laughs> Drew so Barrymore. she can't Drew Barrymore. That's it. She can't remember anything. Right beyond like she every day is the same day for her. Right. And then if I remember correctly, something like she fa- finds out that he or she thinks that he's she's like playing he's playing her because she's like this and that pisses her off and makes her leave and then and that's like the big falling out like and so what i'm i guess what i'm saying is the act 2 for every rom-com except for like this my big fat greek wedding or whatever it is is the conflict between the characters which though if you think about it is the entire point of a romance story
1: well my big fat Greek wedding was a romance but the conflict was the family with the couple instead of the couple right
2: now that's a creative way of doing it It but the vast majority of the time most people are going to care about like if you are in a romantic relationship you care about the other person and so the main conflict derived from that would be if that other person were to leave for whatever reason so it makes sense then that every romantic comedy's act two will be there's a falling out between the two characters.
0: They make me yawn, Jake. I just yawned because the same are I, f- not I will
2: defend Lisa on this. It's because they're supposed to be familiar. They're okay. supposed to be relaxing. All right.
0: They're supposed to be it's supposed to be you're paying money to go see the same story again. I want a new story.
2: Well Joe, that's why I truly Joe, enjoyed
0: my Big Fat Greek Wedding when Joe, I it. it. was good. Don't ever
2: watch Star Wars. Because Star Wars is just Beowulf is just any other hero story. G- the Epic of Gilgamesh. They're all the they're same. There they're are all tropes buried in with, with each other. I mean, that's, that's the thing about a lot of stories. I will agree that there are a lot of cliches in rom-coms, but to say that like there Superman? is zero value in them is, no, is wrong.
1: His you parents can... died. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Do you like Batman? His parents died. In the beginning, both of them. Do you like him? Oh, 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 oh. oh. What's the Deadpool? What happens at the beginning of that? His girlfriend dies. That's the second one. Doesn't matter. She dies, and then what happens?
0: Well, then he fixes it and brings her back.
1: Oh, what? She dies.
0: That's it for tropes and cliches. But I'm going to go one more thing. This is my last hate for the day, and that is inconsistent character behavior. I can't stand it. And I will give you a very good case in point from a show that you and I are watching right now called Outlander. Outlander is set in the 1700s in the highlands of Scotland and France. France. But while they're in the highlands of Scotland, this character Jamie is very upset because he believes his sister's virtue has been taken by an English dragoon.
1: She was raped. That's what he thought.
0: That's what he thought. And he says to his sister... I would rather lose my life than have you treated this way. And then his sister goes, well, that's not what happened. Uh, You know, everything's fine. And he goes, oh, okay, fine. But he was very upset. They spent probably two or three minutes of screen time talking about how upset he was. The next season, his wife hooks up with the king of France so that he can get out of prison. Louis. Right, yeah, Louis Fifteenth, I believe. And then she tells him, I, I had to uh, be unfaithful to you with, with the king of France to get you out of prison. And he has one line. He goes, you did what you had to do or something like that. That's it. One line. He goes from having rather died so his sister didn't get ravaged by some English guy to, I'm perfectly fine with you cheating on me with the king of France to get me out of prison.
2: Maybe.
1: There's so much more of that story you're not even covering. Uh, you're focusing on a story, at part that's not. They had just buried their stillborn daughter.
0: Again, Yeah, there's another. So
1: they're already both extremely upset. Right. So he's in jail for months. The only way that she can get him out is for Louie to be the least bit kind to her to let her husband out of jail. So she knows I, that the only way she's going to do this is to have sex. It was no romantic uh, time. It was bam, slam-bam, thank you, bam, kind of thing. It the keys was the over. now. <laughs> he stood up. She grabs her orange that he gave her and out the door. And then Jamie comes home. Right. It is not at all any kind of romantic sex. That, she that, paid for his saying. freedom with... Her virtue, with her
0: virtue, that he for his sister he was ready to die for, but for his wife he's like I.
2: I did I did push back against this a little bit in our when we were reading through this because I was saying, well, this didn't just happen overnight. And Lisa, you pointed out this is actually almost two seasons apart. Yep. So They've there grown. is such a thing as character arcs, and characters do change over and time. And
1: characters grow, and relationships grow.
2: And so. You could say that either maybe, for example, he was as, he was weaker than he thought he was. You know, it's really easy to yell and scream about, how oh, I'm going to kill some son of a you know what, because they you know, they may have uh, raped my sister. And then when it actually comes ta- time to something bad actually did happen and he's just kind of like, well, I'm glad to be out of prison now. And think about who
1: it was that did it now. Who, who would have I, taken his sister versus who took okay. his wife? Let,
2: okay, that's not material. Well, let's 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 get away from this specific example. As I think Joe has a point in that there are, are times where characters behave... Uh, inconsistent. Inconsistent with with what they've been set up to be. Because somewhere but, in season four or five... But, but Joe, stop with this example. <laughs> but I think this example is, for some reason, Joe chose it to particularly prod Lisa... Uh, and no. he's doing a poor job of making his case as a result because he's put Lisa on the defensive. So, Joe, can you agree that this may be just a poor example? And Lisa, can you agree that it's bad when characters act out of character?
0: I agree this may be a poor example.
2: Uh, great. Excellent. We're halfway there. I also there.
1: agree that it was a bad example. <laughs>
2: okay, but Lisa, can you give the other part? please? What want? What do you want? I I can is, is it bad when characters don't act the way you expect them to because of how they've been built up?
0: Yeah. How about when Daenerys Targaryen went bananas at the end of Game of Thrones? That was completely out of character for
1: her. Yeah. It kind of ruined the show. Yeah. All right.
2: That's a yes. Okay. Moving on.
1: Fine. But you were still wrong. <laughs> that's it Thank for you. me, Jake. What do we got from the listeners? Plenty.
2: Uh I don't know if we have enough time anymore, but uh, we're, we're going to try. All right.
1: Four days in.
2: First off, we've got Angela. Should
0: have broken this up into three episodes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> she said, uh, I hate when they kill off my favorite characters.
0: Well, oh, Don't read George R.R. R. Martin and watch Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah, we covered him in the last episode. Yeah. He seems like a jerk.
0: He is. Well, we tell um, anybody
1: that ever watched it, don't get attached to anybody. Right. And I told you, if they killed What's-His-Face, I Tyrion. was out. Yeah. I was out. I won't watch another one.
0: I hate this, too. You know, I was reading uh, – well, I'm not going to re- give you any spoilers for American Gods, but there's somebody that, that dies in that show that you really like, in, in, or in a book, rather, not the show. Um, and, by the way, if you watch the TV show, the book is vastly different. It's definitely worth reading Then you reading the Then book.
1: you're not giving it away at all, but, but don't tell me who. But at the same time, there's, there's just there's just a – it's like an outline, almost. A book right. is an outline for a movie. Yeah, yeah
0: Absolutely. It's not the same, but now, yeah, I hate when people kill off my favorite characters. Now, Joe,
2: characters would you like... say it's possible that killing off good characters is actually a good thing because it doesn't happen very often? Yeah, I would. And that I it would could be a, a creative way to get around some cliches. Yes, I like would. Say everyone that. makes it. I would say
0: that it can, be, if if used properly, it can be good writing. Yep. All right. Yep. You don't have to like it, but it's good writing. All right. Unless you're doing like George R.R. Martin where it's just just the way you write and everybody dies. You die, she dies, everybody dies. If you know the movie that's from, hit me up on Twitter. Go ahead. What's next, Jake?
2: Next, we've got Neil. He says, I hate how news media uses the same buzz, buzzwords, headlines, and phrases, or that breaking news can apparently be anything now.
0: Well, that's a 24-hour news cycle there, Neil. I it's will say... breaking news! I,
2: I I do see a lot of tweets on Twitter that are like, breaking, and I'm like, I don't... You're, break you're, you're break, break your report. face, I don't care.
1: <laughs> right. Well, now there's 24-hour news channels. Exactly. There was a time when it was 6 o'clock news. Yeah. Right. And that's where you found all your information. Breaking news was more important than...
0: Yeah, breaking news was when they would... Turn off the regular primetime programming for a news event.
1: And then you stopped because you knew it was important. Right. Well,
2: but it's also any time, any more, like, somebody on Twitter will be like, Breaking, someone picked their nose. You right. know? Yeah.
1: The, the, the word there was Twitter. Nobody gets news from well, the news. Too many people
0: no. get their news from Twitter and exactly. they shouldn't. Nobody should.
1: What's next, Jake?
2: So next we have Remy. Uh-huh. He says he hates any writer that doesn't use an Oxford comma. Uh
0: I use the Oxford comma because uh, it's it's easier to use the Oxford comma. It seems that people who are militant about the Oxford comma, like Remy, are are less easy to put up with than people who aren't. So I just use it. I, I've g- just given up on this. Here's your Oxford comma. So it just capitulates
2: up. on the Oxford comma right. question.
0: Right. It's one keystroke for me. You know so, what it is?
2: You know what? It doesn't matter, Remy.
0: If one keystroke keep, keeps you quiet, I'll I'll do the keystroke.
2: No, I'll stand on <laughs> principle and say it's optional.
0: It
1: is optional. Oh, I'm with Remy. I need it.
2: Uh, you you can use it. I don't you can, care. You can use it. Do and I cannot use, two use spaces
1: it. Spaces in between a period and the yes. first letter of the yes, first I word. Yes, I no. Yes, because that's right. <gasps> you don't. No. Oh my god, that's wrong. That's un-American. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, it. You know what. The fact that I've written things and you've read that and you haven't known just goes to show known, you it doesn't matter. But
1: I was I wasn't going to say anything. I thought you were just you know oh, that wasn't your final I see. draft. You
2: were trying to trap me. You were trying to trap me <laughs> into saying yeah, dude. You go you know, well. That's not what this is.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, my 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 English teacher would go crazy.
2: No, I. I she look, would be
1: like, no. I, am I typing? Absolutely.
2: You know what though? I, I I don't understand that because in the end, why is that there? It's to make it easier to read. But if you can read it, it doesn't matter. An Oxford comma, I think it matters more than the two spaces after the period. How do you feel about cursive? It's fine.
0: We're getting there. Don't read ahead. Oh, 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 oh really? Read. Yeah.
1: See, I don't, I'm not part of the first read. No. She's That's not. That's what that means. I mean, I'm serious. I'm like, when you're sitting here telling me that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I guess I guess we're just going to just start putting X's down and having people read our minds. I don't even know no. what to even tell you. <laughs> no.
2: <it's laughs> write an, it There's write no it purpose for it anymore.
1: I'm using it as code when I get older because I don't even know what to tell you. What, what, cursive? You can put an X down as your name. It makes me crazy. Sign your name. Use cursive.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm fine with that. I taught my well, own, I taught my kids how to do let's, cursive. Let's move. Let's move on. Because Travis says I hate looking through old documents in Ancestry.com and not being able to read anything because it's in chicken scratch cursive.
0: Yeah, I can't. I've I've done this. I can't even recognize my own last name in these documents.
1: Really, I totally can. Well, read. My how, dad has beautiful handwriting. No, how, no, this is not your dad's
0: handwriting. This, this is, is your is dad's like some
2: grandparents' census, handwriting.
1: Census taker, some guy that's just
0: writing stuff down as as people are being born and people are dying. He's just—it's his job all day. He has to write down. I'm doing it with my right hand, left hand, but because I'm left-handed, but they would always do it with the right. Joe, hand. this is
2: podcast. No one can see. It doesn't matter.
0: I Shouldn't have even said it.
2: <laughs> that's right. It's bad radio.
0: It's it it's it's illegible. It's it's very difficult to read.
2: There, first off. People wrote differently 100 years ago than they do now. Yep. People wrote differently 50 years ago than they do now. Agreed. So there is... there is.
1: 50 years ago. It was beautiful.
2: I I do think... I can read people's handwriting from 50, 60, 70 years ago. Beyond that, it starts getting difficult.
0: You ever tried to read uh, a copy of the Declaration of Independence? Yeah, it's Thomas, difficult. Thomas Jefferson's handwriting, and it's very difficult to read
2: it. Right. Well, first off, they have S's are like big F's. Right. Well, that's actually from German. Right. And, but the point is that that was the way people wrote back then. Right. That was how to write an S. So it, first off it changes over time, but it's like, I I do think there is something about like a hundred years ago or 150 years ago when people were writing things down, they, their hands were so tired from writing all day long. They're like, whatever, as long as I can read it, that's all that matters. Um, (laughs) And, and I had, I said, I joked to Joe, I'm like, you know, maybe that's why the literacy rate was so high back then. Cause people's <laughs> handwriting were terrible.
1: No, they were needed. I can farms. read
2: cursive. I was one of the last groups of kids that go through school required to learn cursive. Like, you know, you had to sit there with the, the, uh, the three dotted lines. Yes. And you had to, to make sure the stroke hit every right point on the line. Right. Yep. It, I taught Kaylin Joey, every single letter over and over a thousand times a day. Right. So Palmer I can method. write.
0: Did you get Palmer method
2: books? I don't remember what they were. Those are
0: great when you're left handed.
2: All I know is Ugh. all I know is I, 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 I was one of the few classes that one of the last classes that learned how to write in cursive. So I can read in cursive, but I mean, I, I get the idea that you don't need it anymore but although i i will say it was funny because everybody was like well this is how people write but it wasn't how people write that's how people sign their names right but it's not how people write unless yeah, it was my, your grandmother. my signature
0: is illegible deliberately
2: the same you gotta i, I always would practice mine thinking what's this going to look like on a baseball <laughs> even though i was terrible at baseball right I'm I'm like, never,
0: nobody's gonna ever ask me to sign a baseball <laughs> but
2: if they did i'd need to make it look good
0: right?
2: Because no one ever goes to a baseball player and says, hey, can I have your signature? And they go, uh, how do I do this?
0: (laughs) They know how. Right. They, They know how to do it on a baseball. They
2: figure it out. Right. They figured it out. And I said, well, I better be able to figure it out. And everybody signs baseball. So there you go.
0: What's next, Jake?
2: Next, we've got the rant of the week.
0: Rant of the week.
2: From Julie. She says, I hate... When someone addresses a group in an email as guys and gals, uh, it seems like a childish way to aggr- address a group of working professionals. And in books, I hate the copycat plot. After Gone Girl, there were so many books claiming to be the next Gone Girl.
0: Right, the formula story, which we've covered enough to for everyone to know that I'm sick of it. Uh, but this guys and guys and guys and gals, is that what she says? Yes. Yeah. That smacks of unprofessionalism. If if you need to address a group of people, and you want to address them, uh, th- thus say, ladies and
2: gentlemen, or even just colleagues or team, team colleagues, right? Uh, something like that. Yeah,
0: it's too casual. Yeah, I think that's not not. I don't think it's casual. I just think it sounds stupid. It makes the makes the writer sound like a knucklehead.
1: I'm waiting for some kind of carnival to
2: start.
0: Right. Sorry. It's like a used car salesman commercial. It's the worst. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of is used car salesman. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm. I don't I'm take with the Julie person who say one. it is as serious. Right. Me. Exactly. I don't take you seriously. If if you go, uh, if you were to say, "Hey, team," or. Uh, something else come i don't know i'm not going to say I here think
2: colleagues is a good one.
0: Colleagues is a good one. Yeah, yeah. colleagues might be a little too too ladies formal. Ladies and gentlemen, what's ladies wrong with that? that? That's fine. Yeah. Or all If you want to,
2: I, if you want to be informing be like ladies and gents.
0: Ooh. <laughs> ladies and gents. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if i like that either. <laughs> that might be the same I'm just kidding.
2: I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> and why is it gentleman gets shorted? Is it because it's so many syllables and ladies is only yeah. two?
2: Yeah, ladies is is a much shorter word. Gentlemen. It's Gentleman. only one syllable more. Yeah, but that matters. That's an extra mouth movement. You ready to end, Joe? Yes. Lisa's I am looking at on. me like I'm tired of this. Yeah. I want to go home.
0: I want everybody who's listening to this episode to know that this took us over an hour to record. There's tons of stuff that wound up on the floor for this one.
1: I did a lot of cussing. No.
2: <laughs> Lisa, Lisa a threatened me at knife point point. said, don't you dare put that in there.
0: <laughs> all right, everybody, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our merchandise store and our YouTube channel. If you want to support us, we have a subscribe star. Links to all of these can be found on our website, thingsjohates.com. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Also, it would help if you could rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you can find us, and subscriptions seem to help the most. Tell me what you hate. I would love to hear it. Follow Joe on Twitter at Things Joe Hates. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com Things Joe Hates. Our email address is Things Joe Hates Podcast at gmail.com. Links to all of these can be found on our website, Things Joe Hates.com. Female voiceover is provided by Andrea Petrilli. Podcast artwork is by Susie Blake. I'm Nate Goodwin for things Joe hates.